Welcome to the Dream Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, y'all, let's pray together and then we'll, we'll dive in. Y'all grab a Bible because we'll, we'll look in there too. Father, I'm, I'm so, so grateful. I'm grateful, I'm grateful, Papa, that you're here. And I feel so strongly you sent me with a whole bunch of gifts for everybody in the room today and that you have some things that you want to just dish out to everyone. And so, everyone, would you just put your hands up in front of you? And let's just receive from God today. Father, would you put into, into these souls, into these hands, a, a real and tangible, corner-turning, life-changing gift today? Would you mark everyone who's in this room so deeply that everyone might write down somewhere October 20th, 2019, that this is, this is the day when I began the journey to discover who I am in God. And so Dream Church, I bless you in Jesus' name that you might have open hearts to receive the gift from your Father today. You are a blessed group of people. And may you know it. May you rest in that joy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Well, I'm just thrilled to be here. And Joshua and Jordan, I just, I just love y'all so much. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here with you guys. Um, y'all turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want to look at something here um, that has profoundly shaped. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of been like a, the, what I saw in John chapter 1 here has been like a key into a door that has unlocked how I see the Scriptures for me. Um, ultimately, the Bible is a book about God. And so when we go into it, we want to approach it with great humility, understanding that every time we open the page, that the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate things from there, the truth that is in those pages, in order to help us understand the universe and the maker of the universe. But what I'm going to read to you guys, I hope, will just unlock something for you so that you might not just see God in those pages, but you might see yourself in there too. And it might become something so deeply identifying that you might need to go down to the Social Security office and, you know, change the name that's on there because of, of the truth that's revealed, right? So uh, I think this is going to be super cool um, for all of us in here today. So the, the reason why I'm coming here is I was praying for y'all and praying for today, and I felt very, very strongly from the Lord that I could not give you something that I don't already have. And the thing that God wanted me to bring to you today was something that he's done inside of me and I feel like because like Joshua has invited me to be kind of, in some ways a spiritual father here, and I want to just give you what I have. And this way of understanding the scriptures for myself is something that has transformed who I am. It helps me make decisions on a daily basis. I mean, it's a real practical kind of a thing that God has done for me. And I feel like when he gives it to each and every one of you, something really beautiful is going to come alive inside of each one of you as well. So that's where we're headed today. John chapter 1, y'all look at verse 19. We'll go from there. We're going to talk about John the Baptist for just a second. John 1, 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? 
He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. This is very, very, uh, this is amazing to me. This is amazing to me. And I'll tell you on the surface why this is amazing to me. So picture this scene. This is very, so John the Baptist is probably around 30 years of, of age because like, you know, he's Jesus, you know, slightly older cousin. Y'all remember the Christmas story, right? Elizabeth, she's pregnant because Zechariah, who is the dad, was a priest, went into the temple and everything like that. He, you know, so he was on his shift. He's a priest. He goes in there and he's offering, by, this is all in Luke chapter one, by the way, he's offering his sacrifice by the altar of incense and everything. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord is right there next to him. And he, you know, freaks out like any of us would, right, when we have that encounter. And that angel says, I'm going to give Elizabeth a son. I'm going to give you guys a son. And, you know, you're going to name him John. And he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so Zechariah, obviously, he doesn't believe. And so Gabriel's like, okay, now you don't get to say anything to anybody until the child is born. And, you know, all through this pregnancy and everything that's like that, there's, you know, people are thinking, well, we're going to name him Zechariah after him. And then he's like, no, 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 no. He's just like writing furiously. He's like, his name's supposed to be John. His mouth's open to everything. It's like that. So that's this miraculous story surrounding John the baptizer, John the Baptist. So this is a very interesting thing that happens here at the, at the beginning of John when all of these Pharisees and everything. So John's creating a ruckus, right? So he goes out in the wilderness. He's got, you know, like the crazy getup, and he's eating bugs and stuff like that and honey and all the rest. I mean, he's just like an odd character, old t- like legit Old Testament level character. And he's baptizing people. There's this revival that's beginning to take place in Israel. And so here come the religious leaders of the day, and they come up to him and they say, who are you? And I chuckle at that question because they know who he is. All the religious leaders and the Pharisees, three decades earlier, of course they knew who he was because his dad was one of the people who would frequently go into the holiest place in the temple and offer sacrifice. He was a Levite. Everybody would have known who John's dad was. Who are you? I I guess they would have expected John to say, my name is John, son of Zechariah. You know who I am. I'm a part of your own family, for crying out loud. Right? Who are you? But they're looking for him. So they're like, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. Really, that question is more like, who do you think you are? You know what I'm saying? So they come out there. Who are you? I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? That's an interesting question as well because the angel told Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, here's the deal. Your son is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he's going to return fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Boom. Huge. So they're like, okay, are you him? And he's like, no, which is the correct answer. He wasn't Elijah. He came in the spirit of Elijah. Are you the prophet? They're thinking Jeremiah, perhaps. Come back and, you know, all the, all the rest of that stuff. He's like, no, I'm not those. And then 
they say, who are you? We've got to give an answer. And John does not say his name. He does not say his name. They say, who are you? He says, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. When people come asking, who are you? John the Baptist. He does not answer with his name. He answers with the scriptures. Here's what I believe today. God has a gift for each one of you. He wants to name you from the word so that when anyone in the world, your boss, your family, society, your own desires and ambitions, when any type of spirit in the world would come to you and say, who are you? Who do you think you are? What are you doing here? You can answer from the scriptures, from the Bible, of what God has marked you with. This is called a word of inheritance. This is something that you can mark down for the rest of your life. You know, this is who I am. Because Papa said, this is the authority that I walk under. John the Baptist was very likely able to incorporate that message from Isaiah chapter 40 because his dad, probably when he was a little kid, told him, hey, here's the deal. Malachi said, you're going to come in the, in the spirit and power of Elijah. But also, remember Isaiah 40. I'm sending my messenger before your face saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Let's bring up the low places and bring down the high places. Right? Let's equalize. Let's, let's create a way for the Messiah to come. And Zechariah was probably telling little John, I was like, hey, here's who you are. Here's who you are. Here's who you are. One day when they ask you, who are you? This is what you can say. This is who you are. So that's the gift that God has for you. And I feel like my job today is to send you on a voyage to discover what that is. So right, just, just for now, everybody pull out something that you can write with and write something down on your phone or on, you know, either on a... And, whenever, and everybody look at me when you get that ready. I'd love everybody to do this right now. Just get, just like get ready to write whatever that thing is down. And we're going we're gonna to have a little prophetic experiment that you guys can go back and test and look at later. Because I believe that there is something in here that God wants to deliver to you that may very well change your life. You know, it, like if you think about, uh, if any of you guys are in business or in any way, shape, in any way, shape, or form, a big part of like strong leadership, business management cultures, understanding your mission, your vision, and your values. I mean, those are like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an artist, musician at the core of my training. Management leadership stuff is not what excites me. I don't like get excited about reading leadership books, although other people do. That's cool if that's your thing. That's wonderful. Mission, vision, and values are a big part of what makes great companies succeed. What if God gave you mission and vision and values from the word so that you knew I have a word from God Almighty that's creating faith continually in my heart. I can hang it on. Like, look, this, like John chapter 1, John the Baptist is basically saying, look, here's not only who I am, but here's what I'm doing. Here's the course that is set for my life. It's there. Y'all see how powerful this is? Okay, I want to create a hunger inside of each one of you to have this for yourself. I believe it is going to be different for each and every one of you. This entire book belongs to you. All the promises of Scripture find their yes in Jesus Christ. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So this means that every word on the page, these are all the words of God. And when Jesus went to the cross, he bought, not only did he buy complete past, present, future forgiveness for you, he bought every word on this, 
on these pages for you as well. So it stands to reason that as you're, as you're reading through one day, something's going to come off and the Lord is going to be like, this is you, son. This is you, daughter. This is who you are in my mind. Each one of you represent a unique idea in the mind of God. And he wants to bring it forward so that you can transform the world. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So everybody got something to write down with? Now, this is going to seem like a joke and like a kid's game, but please go with me on it. Okay. So everybody, get ready. Here we go. I want you to, to think now of a number in between 1 and 150. Do you have that number in your mind? Okay, write, go ahead and write it down. A number in between 1 and 150. Write it down. Okay, cool. Just hang on to that for later. All right. So I want to tell you guys some of my own personal history with discovering what this kind of word of inheritance is for me. So my granddaddy uh, was a guy named Henry Morgan, and he was a Baptist pastor in North Carolina for like 30 or 40 years. This amazing man of God. I mean, he, like, I remember my mom talking about him. She never could remember a time in her entire life, and she was the youngest of three kids, she could never remember a time when he ever raised his voice at someone. That's insane, right? That's amazing. I mean, he's just a strong dude. He was, he was really the first-generation Christian in North Carolina, tobacco um, farmer's kid, you know, uh, worked his way up through Wake Forest and, you know, just went to school and finally became a pastor. He was in the military. He was a pastor for all these years. And uh, um, she can never remember a time when he ever raised his voice. She can never remember a time when he wouldn't take up for somebody. So if, if someone came in and they were complaining about someone, he would find some good in somebody else and then work the conversation another way in order to bring good to them. And she told me later that his life verse was Isaiah 26.3, which says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And this was the running theme in his mind all the time. He knew that verse was a marker over his soul. He may as well have been Henry Isaiah 26.3 Morgan. Y'all see where I'm going with this? Check this out. An inheritance gets passed down from one generation to the next. If you guys ever met my mom, if she walked in this room, you would immediately feel the temperature shift from uh, less anxiety to more peace. She's a woman of extreme shalom, extreme faith. And she wasn't even thinking about it the other day. I was like, well, Mom, you're this way because granddaddy's verse was, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that landed on you. And it, all of a sudden, she just looked back over her life and she was like, yeah, of course. And so for me, I feel like I carry some of the same thing, and my brother does too. Do you all see how this thing kind of passes on down? Wild, isn't it? It's amazing. So my wife, Allie, and I, we have two kids, a four-year-old son, Gray, and a two-year-old daughter, Lucy. From the earliest moment when we found out we were pregnant with Gray, we were like, okay, Lord, will you give us a, a verse? And I, began, I, I pinpointed this one, and we just started praying over and over again, okay, we feel like this is who he is. And so sure enough, we pray, you know, pray those verses over him at night and everything that's like that. And the other day, um, you know, I was just saying it to him, and he started completing the ends of the phrases, I think, because he'd heard it so many times. And so I was like, that's who you are, kid. That's who you are. And so anytime he would say, well, I'm scared at night, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, you're not scared. Who are you? And he'll say, I'm like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. This leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy. There's a four-year-old, and I can say he's like, you know, he's got peanut butter smeared all over his face from eating toast in the morning and everything. And I'm like, who are you, buddy? And he'll say, 
I'm like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. You know, he yells the last part because he thinks it's fun. But that's who he is because that's who God has declared him to be. The tricky, crazy thing about it is, so that's the verse that we like pinned on him. I remember we were praying one time, and one of the folks who's on my staff up in, at New Spring in Greenville, they said to me, hey, I, I received this prophetic word, and I, I feel like God showed me that you're, showed me a, they, didn't, they don't know anything about this verse for Gray. But she came to me and she said, I just, I drew this picture. I just feel like God was just telling me that you're a tree, you know, like in Psalm 1. Like you're, you know, the tall tree, I guess it's planted by streams of water. And it made me realize that gray's a tree because I am. So the things that, so I didn't even realize that God was speaking that into my life, but it erupted into his. And the same is true with our daughter. I mean, it's just wild. So, I mean, this is, a, this is a cool way that God can take the scriptures and like make them erupt into who you are, what your identity is. And that's so important, too, because the world's trying to tell you who you are. You're trying to figure it out yourself. I mean, maybe you grew, grew up in a house where you have lots of people telling you just how dumb or stupid or ugly or whatever you are. And you have a heavenly father now who says, nope, all lies. But in the void, what do you put? What do you, what do you put in the, in the space that gets where the lies get cleared out. That's what I think God wants to give y'all. That's what I, if, if, if you haven't figured this out already, there are 150 Psalms. And so whatever that random number was that popped into your mind when I said pick a number between 1 and 150, later today, go in there, read that Psalm, and ask God to lift something off the page for you to tell you who you are. Because one of those Psalms belongs to you. And maybe it's not the defining word, but it's at very least, it will be a, a, a set of breadcrumbs that might lead you down the path to discovering who you are in him as revealed in the scriptures, right? So God has given me these sort of encounters all throughout my life. One of the first ones that I can remember uh, was in, in college. When I got called into ministry, I was a chemical engineering student at Clemson. And man, God just rat, radically got a hold of me, spoke to me. The next morning, I, I come down out of my bed, and I feel like, okay, well, I guess I'll just start reading anywhere, and Philippians is where I go and start reading. And then, man, Philippians 121 jumps off the page at me. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And I'm like, whew. I just knew my whole life devoted to God. If I've got him, i got everything. If I die, I get even more. But fearless, man. Fearless, fearless, fearless. I mean, that, that verse became my thing there for a long time. Someone's like, I got a tattooed on my body. You know, like these are like tattoo level scriptures that I'm talking about here, you know? And then later as I go, I, I felt like God called me to build the church and become a worship leader. And I'm reading along in the Psalms. And all of a sudden I hit Psalm 27 and I read one thing I've asked the Lord that I will seek to behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life and inquire his temple. And I'm like, that's everything I want in the world. That's everything I want. And, so, and that became a defining reality for me. So, like, I claim it. Like, that's mine. You know what I mean? You, has this happened to you guys before? Where, you, where these things kind of jump out at you? Life versus these kind of things? I want to go deeper. I want this to become an identifying thing where if somebody were to say, who are you? You could say, you answer with the scriptures. Psalm 84, God gave me this key. Psalm 84.10 says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And I remember early on in my early 20s, God gave me that scripture, and it was like him saying, this is who you are. You are a doorkeeper in my house. 
And along with it came this mental image. So y'all imagine this with me. I saw myself being about six or seven years old, coming up to a vast royal hall with big doors, and I'm pushing them open. You know the way kids do when they're trying to get into the supermarket? They're just like got their whole body like pressed against the doors. And I'm running in because I know inside my heart that it's my house, and Dad is up there on the throne doing business. The hall is full. I push myself through the crowd, boom, 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 climb right up in his lap. He's just got me. He's like messing with my hair while he's talking to somebody else and everything. And then he looks down, looks me in the face, and he says, I love you so much, kid. I've got a really important job for you to do. You know what it's like in here with me. Will you go out there to the door and make some noise and wave your hands, put a smile on your face, and tell everybody, hey, over here, he's over here, the thing that you're looking for, come on in. That's what God has called me to be. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than do anything else. My purpose in life is to experience the depth of intimacy and warmth of the presence of God and to go out and usher other people in to come and experience the same thing. That verse helps me make every decision in my life. And, And God brought that to me. And that's the power of the Scriptures. All Scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. The, law, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you read this book, it reads you. And he's got, you're in this, you're in this book. You're in these pages. He just wants to send you on a journey to discover who you are in him. I remember going along. So Psalm 84 was a big deal for me, that, that verse 10 especially. I remember years later, um, starting to work at New Spring Church, and the foundational verse of New Spring Church is, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And there was a connection there with my heart and the identifying heart of my church as well. And what that became for me was a, like, it was almost like I had a first name of being a doorkeeper and a last name of always doing a new thing and being a part of making a new way in the world. So, I mean, it's, it, was, it was wild to me how God was piecing these things together. Another verse that was huge for me, Isaiah 49, verse 6, it says, It's too light a thing for you to raise up the tribes of the house of Jacob. I'm going to make you a light for salvation to reach to the ends of the earth. And I remember reading that one thinking, being a little bit crazy, thinking, that's what you want me to do? You want me to do that thing? Uh, I would love to do that thing. And to me, it meant like rock and roll and stadiums and stuff. Not, not at all. And so there, that, the interpretation of some of these verses, what you may find as you discover who you are in the scriptures, is that God may bring, bring some different interpretations in different seasons of what that means. So I, I can't tell the whole story about that one. It would take way too long. But what I want to tell you is that that verse in, I, in uh, Psalm 84, verse 10, became such a marker for me. And then I began to realize that Lord was like, nope, take the whole passage and back it up and let me show you how your whole life plays out through this thing. And that's when everything began to get really insane. I began to understand that my identity was like fully wrapped up in that thing. I want this for you. I want this for you. I want you to run after God into his word to discover who you are because he has this on offer for you. 
the way that the world is going to go with the media, social media, the, the influencing voices in your life, they're going to, like the, the possibility that you would get blown around a little bit in trying to figure out who you are is very, very high. But if you go to God in the scriptures, he promises that he will, he will tell you who you are, the same way he did for John the Baptist. So when you know, the spirit of the day comes up and says, who are you? Very, very much like for me, somebody comes up and says that, I can say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Psalm 84. That stretch of 11 verses is my DNA. Every bit of it. I know I'm the dwelling place of God. So for me, that means when I look in the mirror, I don't get to call it ugly. My soul longs, just faints for the courts of the Lord. He's already telling me what my greatest desires are, and I know it. I'm like, yeah, of course. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. This has been a part of my profession for the last almost 20 years. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young even at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. This idea of being a bird, of having wings, of having a place made for you close to the presence of God, this is not just about me. It's about my family as well. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Like, I'm a blessed man because I dwell in the house of God, and I get to sing his praise. And this, this next section is crazy. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. The valley of Baca is a dry valley of weeping. So I understand that's coming for me, and that has been a road I've walked. But when I get in that valley, I dig deep and I make it a place where there's fresh water because the fresh water's already been provided. And then the early rain, the more, the Messiah, he comes to bring rain on me when I'm in the dry space. And I don't go from weakness to weakness ever in my life. I go from strength to strength. Do y'all, do y'all see how powerful? I'm just trying to illustrate how powerful this is for me. There is a passage in the scriptures that is yours, that is powerful for you. That is powerful for you. Um, I sent this word to Joshua a, long, a while back, um, but I feel like God showed me at least one word of inheritance for Dream Church. I don't know if this is the, I don't, I don't, I mean, there are probably several other scriptures that are going to be a defining reality for you guys as a family, as a group, but I wanted to share with y'all this one in particular and my interpretation of what it means for you because. 
If your first name is whatever that individual thing is, perhaps a last name while you're in this family and while you're in this house here at Dream Church, this is a defining reality for who you are being a part of this congregation. So I want you to understand that I feel like I am delivering to you a word of inheritance for you as long as you stay a part of this church, right? Are y'all with me on that? Okay, so if you want to, I want you to see this. Turn to Psalm Psalm 126. Which, by the way, did anybody pick that number just randomly, 126? Well, you get it as a bonus today. All right. Psalm 126. And I'm going to close with this, you guys. Um, and I, I'd love to... Re- can I read this with, with music happening, Joshua? Or, yeah, come on up here and just play a little bit. And let's... Uh, you guys, let's... Uh, I, I want you guys to receive this as a gift to you right now. So this will, this will be how we close. And I want you to be deeply encouraged by this because this is you. Psalm 126, a song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like strings, streams in the Negev, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So I don't know if Dream Church has a founding scripture, but let me offer this psalm for consideration. When I think about your church, this psalm is what I think about every time. I believe it completely describes what God is doing in and through you. And it's a prophetic marker of what he intends to do through dream throughout the life of the church. This is a word of inheritance for you. This psalm belongs to Dream Church. So unpack it. Study it. I believe you will see this psalm come alive before you every time you meet, every year you exist, from now into eternity. So let's take it line by line. A psalm of ascent. This particular title is in the Hebrew. It is a part of the scriptures. It is a marker of what this psalm is meant to do. The the 15 psalms from 120 to 134 are called the Songs of Ascent, and they would have been sung on the way to Jerusalem. People from all over Israel would have gone up to Jerusalem. They would have sung these as they go up the southern steps. Every time they take a step up, they would quote another one of these in preparation to get to where they wanted to go. This was a marker, how they're going from glory to glory. They sing these songs on a journey. A psalm of ascent. So I believe that Dream Church is and always will be a vertical church. Always ascending the spiral staircase of glory. You are a church for God, about God, and to God. This is your DNA. Fight to stay on this ascending upward staircase, even if it looks like sometimes you're moving horizontally in a direction away from what makes sense. You'll always be moving up. He has ordered your steps and will not fail to thrill your journey and to bring you to himself, which is the destination and the end result of Dream Church. He is the goal. He is the gift. He is the source, supply, and final destination for Dream in all things. Verse 1. 
when Yahweh brought back those who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. I believe God is using dream as a vehicle for many who are returning to him. I see dream as a train with weary travelers getting on board, being seated, occupying postures of rest and refreshment. God is bringing his children home to himself through dream. And the joy and ecstasy you all will experience in the journey will make you want to pinch yourself saying, is this really happening? Verse 2. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, Yahweh has done great things for them. Your joy, your singing will be loud and infectious, spreading wildly, making enough of a dent in the local culture for people around your company to say, only God. Look at how he has blessed Dream Church. Dream is marked for music making. Make the music for him. Verse 3, Yahweh has done great things for us, and we are glad. This will be a continual theme of testimony for your people. Verse 4, restore our fortunes again, Yahweh, like streams in the Negev. Revival. What has been lost will be restored, and God's original intention for the region will be returned double. The Spirit will flow through dream and turn the desert into a garden. Verse 5, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Depression, sadness, sickness, anxiety, loss. The tears from these things will be like seeds in your worship gatherings. They will hit the floor and be buried only to bear fruit in life-giving springs. And the harvest, wow. Verse 6, he who goes out weeping, carrying seed for sowing, will certainly come again with joy, carrying his sheaves. People who have had a dark cloud over their face for decades will look younger. And some will be unrecognizable to friends and family because their new joy, colossal healings will happen. All of this is just the beginning. I believe this church is a vehicle of inheritance, the beneficiary of the double portion of Almighty God. Would you stand? Father, I commission these Every single person in this room, I commission every single one of these people for a new journey into the scriptures to discover who they are in you. And Dream Church, may you understand and know how deeply God desires to name you, to let his definitions of you be the ones that you receive, that you're not going to take anybody else's label, you're not going to take anybody else's identifying markers, you're not going to take anybody else's opinions of you. But in the fear of the Lord and with wild faith, you're going to look into these pages and see yourself and believe what he believes about you. His words are now the defining reality for who you are. So bon voyage, Dream Church. Bon voyage into the wild and wonderful pages of his word. May you discover who you are and may you be richly, richly, richly blessed in that discovery. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information, visit dreamcolumbia.com.